Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 faces that are not actually your face. I'm your co-host, Davey, and with me I have two masked men. Brian, how are you? What's up, sup? Doing good. Skylar, how are you? I'm alive! <laughs> he is. He returns. <laughs> he emerges from the caverns deep below. Uh, for your context, recording on the 18th of December, likely be hearing this on the 30th, uh, we are recording about Malevolent Masks. This is a release that has a three-week pre-order. So from the, if you listen to this on the day of release, it's still a couple weeks out. I think these are dropping on the 13th. Um, Correct. So we'll be talking to some about that. Uh, if if our uh, nefarious plans have gone correctly, then you've already heard last week um, our coverage of the Stab Lads. And uh, we're keeping it rolling with the, uh, the constant flow of what the heck's content. Uh, we should always say thanks to GW for the preview copies uh, that make this review possible. And we appreciate that. Uh, we'd like to do our usual. Let's, uh, let's do some community shout out. We don't, uh, you know, in the context, I don't think we have any news other than what we're covering right this second. Um, the big news is kind of events coming up and we're going to hit that here with our community shout outs. Uh, LVO is our big one on the horizon barreling towards us. Uh, it's, it's one of these things with so many war bands out right now. I'm like trying to figure out what to practice against and realizing like, Oh man, I, there's not enough time in the world to, <laughs> to practice against everything I might have to play against. And then every time I hop on for a random one online, somebody throws Hexbane at me again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, I would say I've got that matchup down, but man, they're tough. So, um, I, I will probably have most reps into them and still get beat up by them. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, LVO, we are going to be there in force, everybody except Phil. Uh, and then we've got our some of our local community, Bobby, Alex, Jazz, um, and then you guys both bring in your spouses. So that'll be a, a cool uh, cool group to have there, and we'll, uh, we'll be happy to see folks there. There is the Nemesis Grand Clash, the 19th and 20th, and the – I don't know if it even counts. Is they calling it a Grand Clash or the Rivals event on the 21st? So it's – uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, and we're all participating in all of those. They used uh, to have a different name for that, didn't they? What is it uh, skirmish? It was like not officially a grand clash, but an event worth noting. Yeah, yeah, they had different like grand skirmish and then like grand brawl or something was maybe the team oh, events, okay. and, but yeah, yeah. they had different things going on. Uh, Brian, you've got you've got actually an extra thing going on. Do you? Uh, I, th- I think folks know about it right now, but just in case they don't, you want to let them know what great uh, great choices you've made already? Oh, yeah. It's Vegas, so we're going to put some skin in the game. Uh, Underworld's Underground uh, Sleeks Bowl challenged me to a pink slip game, which means that we're going to be playing a match best of three, and the winner takes the other's painted warband home. Uh, yeah. So it's for playing for keeps. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, uh, we're going to be playing that. Might be doing some content with it. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I'm I'm putting some big skin in the game here. Uh, I'm excited and terrified. Yeah. Mike, if you're listening, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> the paint he's putting up. <laughs> oh man. Uh, anyway, we will be there. We would love to see if you are there. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, even it's just to, to say, Hey, uh, but if we can get a game in, uh, that'd be even better or even just to talk underworlds or anything at all. Uh, I am figuring out what I'm going to pack. I, I don't, we are, we have like a pretty packed schedule looking at what's, what's going on, but, uh, I might have to try and figure out how to get a, uh, 
copy of Blood on the Clock Tower packed in and and uh, get an impromptu one of those one of these. I think we have see. to. I want to be so bad. <laughs> it would be cool. That'd be a nice uh, nice way to kind of gather some different folks together. Agreed. Uh, easy to teach. But uh, who else got a community shout out here? I'll jump in here. Right. Um, so uh, fish mode of both the spent glory uh site as well as or blog and website official website um right I, i'm so used to calling it a blog but it's actually just the full website these days yeah um so uh congratulations again for uh grabbing that domain name and and really like fleshing this all out um but uh both spent glory and uh, Underworlds Underground um, has done an update that I think is significant to his website. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, this ups- this update is taking in mind um, anything that was kind of out of date on the website because he wants this to be a continually, you know, rolling resource for new players. So the idea of things being out of date isn't really conducive to that, but that means, you know, circling back and actually doing significant amounts of work to ensure uh, that everything the site has to offer stays up to date. I'm talking about um, updating links um, to like uh, what um, resources that like the Warcom has, for example, uh, where you find your rule book and your um, errata and FAQ, like those links all changed recently um, or a good good little bit ago, um, I think within the last couple months. Um, and so those have all been updated as well as going through and adding um, deck recommendations that weren't possible before because decks weren't out, um, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, just making sure that this continues to be um, as new player friendly as possible. Um, and I, I really appreciate, uh, that effort. Yeah. I think we have to match it and re-record all our old episodes that are, uh, now out of date. So <laughs> time to get started. No, uh, um, your funeral. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, died a little just thinking of doing that. So, uh, but that is, that is cool. Uh, and that is one of the places that we send people most often when they're, asking for you know what a good starting resource is and so it's awesome to know that it is uh getting that love and care um uh, as it as it continues as time goes on so uh brian you got anything for us yeah so continuing with the self-promotion uh <laughs> at adepticon in march uh 2024 we will be running our own event uh the what the hex underworlds championship tournament so championship back First official event in at Adepticon in years, uh, run by us. We will be uh, this will be March twenty first, ten a.m. to nine p.m. Uh, tickets go live January seventh on the Adepticon website. So keep an eye out. They got an event preview up right now. You can look at the schedule and plan out your convention. We do expect there also to be a Games Workshop event. We're uh, just waiting for it to be posted. Uh, it's kind of a preview window right now, so we expect that it'll be there. But right now, we're the one event, so check us out. Sign up. Uh, 32 seats available, possibly room to expand. Uh, let us know if you're interested and going to show up. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think those 32 seats might be pretty locked in in order to stay to schedule uh, and like make this a one-day event. So if you want in, um, definitely grab a seat. Yeah, uh, we should say specifically we picked championship not not just because it has been missing for a little while, but because we 
we uh, don't know for sure, but we expect that GW's event will be a Nemesis one. So we just wanted to provide right. a, another format for people to, to try out. So, Absolutely. If your main game is Underworlds and you're going to, you want to go to Adepticon and you're like, uh, I want to play more Underworlds while I'm there. We got you. Yeah, we got you covered. All right. That is what we're doing for the community shout outs. I think we need to get into the main event here. And Skylar, you were kind of our, a little bit of our, our lead on the uh, masks coverage here. Uh, you have uh, more experience with it. Uh, so we're going to kind of turn the reins over to you to uh, run this section here, uh, guide us through this discussion. So uh, uh, I guess over to you, sir. All right, here we go. Well, um, as you both were reading through the cards for this one, um, what were kind of the first impressions that you were having here? So I can tell you because I, I'm, I uh, first looked over them in person because I am the one who receives the, uh, the copy that the podcast gets. So I'm, I'm kind of flipping through them. So I'm flipping through them exactly in the order they come, which is objectives first. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, this seems really good uh, because the objectives were very exciting, but they hinge around these masks, which are upgrades, which I didn't get to to the end. And I got to the end as like, I actually, I'm not sure if this works or not. Like, this is this is one of the weirder, one of the weirder decks that we've seen, I think. Uh, and you, you may disagree, but... I, it, it reminded me in a sense of void cursed thralls where there was some kind of internal thing going on. And I was like, until I see this play out, I actually have, I don't have a good sense of whether this, whether this works as a unit. I presume it does, but I, it, it, it's something I almost need to, to see, to believe. Um, and also it almost has like, not, not as cohesive, but it does have its own kind of cool internal narrative, uh, in the way that, Void Curse does uh, more so than, say, Force of Frost or, or Breakneck Slaughter. Yeah, my first impression was I actually started in reverse. I started with the masks, and I, to get- I, maybe maybe you did that of your own volition. I think that's when I when I sent out to you guys. I'm like, hey, I think it's a really good idea if you guys look at the masks first before you before you uh, proceed through the deck because I think that's going to help you inform your first impressions. I'm definitely the most literary challenged here, so every time I saw a mask, I wanted to know what that meant. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I definitely took your advice, looked ahead, read through the masks, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, they come with their own actions. Many of them do, and a whole action of my precious 12. I was like, that's a lot of work. These better be awesome. And it was, it seemed like a lot of work and I was kind of like, is this supposed to be my power? Like I thought (laughs) this was supposed to work for me. This seems like I'm losing actions. Uh, So I was pretty down on it to start because I was like, where's the, where's the benefit here? Because there's so many upgrades in the game. Um, you know, just thinking out great strength where it's just automatic and a net positive. And um, this felt like I had to jump through a lot more hoops than I could just throw great strength in my deck instead or, you know, an equivalent. Um, so I, w- I was pretty down on it before, but I've, I've come around uh, by the end of it after re-re and rereading it. I, I was like, OK, there's there's a lot of fun play here. Absolutely. Yeah, when I went in, uh, I think I was I was last to the ball game. I've been so busy lately, uh, and so I'd kind of seen 
um, some like um, re- read this one twice <laughs> and start with the masks. Um, and so I, I kind of went in with a sense of wonder and saw these masks and I was like, they out of context, I was like, what are these pieces? <laughs> yeah. And then I rolled into the objectives and uh, I just started getting excited because I thought the objectives relatively slap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, <laughs> uh, I actually fell asleep as I was reading. Like I, the, my dedication was like, uh, I really want to like start in on like, you know, uh, reading up on the new material and I'm reading them on my phone and <laughs> fell asleep. Um, so like I woke up in the morning in like a fugue of like, where did I leave off? What are the masks? Do? <laughs> um, did I imagine all of that? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you could be mistaken after a read of, you know, first read to be like, did I imagine all of this? <laughs> um, so te- uh, I, I think that's uh, a good amount of teasing uh, to dive in. So mm. what I, what I want to start with uh, first is uh, the theme of the deck. Uh, so there is a theme card. There is not a plot card. We are not plot locked here. Um, however, um, a lot of this deck um is going to want uh or is going to live within an ecosystem of itself there are pieces absolutely that you can pull out uh and there's conditions that don't require masks but a lot of the deck asks you um to bring the masks along um so these masks um i i love this theme so much they're demon possessed masks and they're called uh the hexen masks uh for i imagine two reasons one you are essentially cursed while wearing them. And two, there are six of them. Um, so the Hexen masks seems a perfect name. And they um, kind of brought about the collapse of an ancient city um, and then were buried by uh, the living avalanche, uh, Drakatoa, uh, and recently now discovered by those... Um, delving into the glacial chasms of the death gorge and when you're donning them for the advantage that you believe um they are also harnessing you so while you harness them they are also harnessing you um (laughs) so uh extremely fun like narrative to kick us off and i think uh from there uh just as recommended by davy we dive into the masks first yeah, I think that's a good call. So, um, why don't we um, why don't we bounce around? And there's three of us, six masks. Let's do um, two masks each and kind of jump in there. Um, so I'll kick off with the mask that uh, is the most jealous mask, <laughs> <laughs> Envy's Shroud. Um, this one. Uh, is the is the one that kicks the mold. This is the one, <laughs> maybe this is the one that should have been last uh, conversation, but <laughs> we're doing it first. Yeah, um, I, I was looking, I was like, I don't, I won't start with Envy's Shroud, but then I couldn't decide which other one to start with. And then so because I can't, then Envy's Shroud it is. Go for it. Um, so this one uh, does not have an action. So it's the only mask that will not, as we dive into them, Uh, present you with a named action that belongs to the mask. Instead, this mask gives you plus one wounds. And when you give this to a fighter, if that fighter has other upgrades, 
break those cards. Um, and you cannot give the spider upgrades other than mask upgrades. Um, and you'll, you'll kind of uh, see why that's relevant here shortly, um, that you're still able to give them mask upgrades. But I love um, that Envy Shroud is like just jealous of every other upgrade out there. It's just like, as soon as you put me down, shred everything else. It's just me and the plus one wounds I have to offer. <laughs> um, and I, I suppose, um, you know, uh, as we kind of go into the rest of the masks, each of the other masks has on them, when a fighter has two mask upgrades, break mm. one. And so that's why it's significant that Envy Shroud says you cannot give this fighter upgrades other than mask upgrades. So it's continuing the theme of thou shall not have uh, upgrades besides me, the Envy Shroud, um, but also allowing you to put a mask into place which will have the rule on it when a fighter has two mask upgrades, break one and give you the chance to break Envy Shroud. Yeah. Um, so this one is basically, if you put this on, it will only it will be the only upgrade that fighter will ever have unless you replace it with another mask. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I like the idea, I was trying to imagine, I was like, are you taking a mask off? And I kind of feel like you're putting a mask on over another mask <laughs> and they're like fighting it out for who gets control of you yeah pretty pretty straightforward one uh plus one wound we often talk about that being like a really good upgrade to have i mean this is great fortitude uh great fortitude when it cannot be paired with anything else uh less exciting um but uh i i think particularly in the nemesis environment. Uh, sometimes that's all you need to move yourself into like two shot territory, you know? I think so too. Yeah. All right. Davey, you want to kick us off with the next mask? Yeah. Um, let's go with, uh, we'll go with the howling hood. Um, and this is uh, also, I always have the mask keyword. And then as Skylar said, it's got the uh, caveat that you'll break a mask. Uh, you break one of the, So you could technically put this on somebody and then break the one that you just put on, I guess. Um, there's maybe some super edge cases where that would be a good thing to do. Uh, but this one comes with the action Abyssal Howl. Choose a fighter adjacent to this fighter. Push the chosen fighter up to two hexes, then stagger the chosen fighter. Uh, and I think what you're going to see is a theme where most of these actions on their own don't seem quite worth a full activation uh, or, or they may be uh, situationally. So uh, I actually, I kind of really like that uh, this is on uh, a uh, Grimwatch fighter. I, I think that's what we're looking at. This looks like mm, maybe on yeah. Valreek because uh, that is actually one of the use cases where I'm like, Oh, I, I could definitely do that. Um, you know, you, maybe you did a, a collective push with, your um ghoul call not ghoul call but uh you you got you got pushed onto objectives and you're looking to get your uh inspire and so you shove somebody right back out of your territory um so uh i this is one of those actions that situationally it'll be good but you don't look at it and be like hey this is amazing i can't wait to use this because just because it's it's uh, such an expensive thing to do um and it you have to start adjacent and all that sort of thing yeah i think a lot of these abilities, as we run them down, they seem like tame, uh, but they also, you, I feel like in most cases, you can imagine a moment where they would be like extremely helpful, like that the action economy would be worth it like that, to fill that niche need. Um, and I, I find that really fascinating. 
Yeah. I mean, we think uh, more and more, I mean, I, I guess it's almost worth mentioning this and um, we should have talked about this some in the, uh, in the stab lads episode, uh, what with the, the horn action being almost like a, or the horn reaction being an action tax. There are certain times where an action task is not as big a deal. Uh, and often I think of that in like the first round, if you're using something like the sharpener, uh, to add a damage onto, uh, the wielder's weapon in, um, the headsman's curse warband, you, you have be, the lines aren't joined. You have some time to spare for that. And then late in the game when it's, Hey, we, there's just a couple fighters left. Uh, even with the charged out rule, you're maybe only going to get a chance to make one charge before somebody moves away from you. That's where sometimes these extra actions come in real handy. Like if you have the chance to set this up uh, and maybe you push somebody out and score, like I, I see people sneaking more and more of the like um, hurricane force style objectives in that say, Hey, I'm going to get a big payoff, but I have to make sure that you are positioned in a particular territory. Um, and so I, I think a lot of the times you mentioned these uh, specialized actions being specifically good, you know, you may find that a time where it's actually definitely worth it. And I think more and more you'll find that to be occurring in round three in, in, is my guess. Uh, I think round two, people are so mixed up together and uh, just hitting as hard as they can. And, and once the battle lines thin out again, that's when you might see some of these become a bigger deal. Yeah, I see this action also being really good for disrupting Cold of the Void, uh, being able to send an adjacent friendly fighter adjacent to the fighter who's trying to stay away. Mm, sure. Yeah. Although if you're already adjacent, then... That's true. Um, <laughs> but there's another card in here, sure. Hooded Stranger, that uh, this would also thwart if it was a mirror match, I suppose. Yep. But I yeah, think it... push deck is going to go up in value because of these like isolation cards uh, for... A, isolation objective cards. Uh, and I was just saying that this is choose a fighter, so it doesn't have to be an adjacent enemy fighter either. Oh yeah. could be a friendly, uh, you don't mind, uh, bringing a lethal, uh, on your board when you're, when you know, um, you're running howling hood. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Try to get a, you... a damage, a push and a stagger all in one action. Yep. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, all right, Brian, want to grab a mask for us, put it on. Yeah, so I think the coolest looking one and the uh, ability that I was like, okay, I can see myself using this, <laughs> uh, was this was the one that actually got me excited initially, was the Echo Guys. Uh, mm. So this mask, uh, like the others, break if you have two masks. Uh, break one if you have two masks. Uh, action is reverberating call. Pick two feature tokens, one of which this fighter is on. Place each feature token in the hex the other feature token was in when you pick them. Rolls of double supports are successes in this fighter's defense rolls until the end of the round in which this action is made. So, pretty sweet. We've seen a few Gambit speed cards um, do this. Um, I think one in Ephilims that doesn't require uh, the feature tokens to be empty. This one does not require the feature tokens to be empty either. In fact, mm. you have to be on one. Mm -hmm. And then this also gives you cover, even if it is still on the objective side. As well as if you move off of the objective. Ah, yes. Yeah, it doesn't require that you stay on it. Sweet. So yeah, I really like this one. Uh, I think it's interesting. My, uh, my thought was immediately for like, 
a warband that's going to have a fighter sit back and manipulate objectives, um, perhaps to a passive build, but also just like we've seen passive prophecy with a lot of numbers mixing up. Um, if you can disrupt a passive prophecy build, or this has its own, uh, this deck has its own care for numbers and objectives. Uh, so being able to manipulate those will be really valuable. Um, also, because I play gets and infestation is a thing, being able to flip <laughs> an objective and then swap it for a objective. So flip an objective to cover and send that cover to your opponent's backfield and take their objective mm. Mm. Uh, spoke to me. Cool. Yeah. Uh, to that end, you could do similar with like, Death's Domain or uh, in Crimson Court or Purifying Rights in um, Skase Wild Hunt, where they're looking to hold all in one territory. Um, it's like, oh, I can't reach that one over there in ter- uh, my territory or maybe an enemy's on it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you could just hold the one, right? Uh, and send send the flipped uh, over there. You could, also, uh, you could also plunder and get a what is it a cover token yeah on the dire chasm yeah. set and then swap that for an objective to bring more objectives to your field and uh leave them with none now brian uh I, there's a problem in your in your thinking here that would require I have to remember to plunder remember plundering <laughs> ever <laughs> ever uh i i keep i mentioned already how many times i played against hexbane i can't tell you how many situations have been useful like turn a dog into yeah. a pillar of ice and i'm like Nah, I'll just forget to do that and get shot some more by that hidden pistol. So, yeah. 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 I've also thought like, <laughs> yeah, if you could just plunder and reduce the number of available feature tokens, just bring them in as covers so that the Force of Frost player can't use the blocked, the blocked placement yeah. gambits. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if uh, yeah. plunder would only enter my brain... Yeah, <laughs> if I play you at LVO and I and I plunder during our game, I may have to. Like, then this you in this scenario is is any listeners out there, uh, you may have to like sit back for a couple minutes while I take a running victory lap around the hall that I actually remembered to do it. I assume um, you so. would just ascend to galaxy brain mode at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'll consider myself as having won the event. So <laughs> <laughs> actually we might need to make a trophy, like remembered to plunder and just have that, our own little presentation on the Hell, side. There should be a, a trophy for the person who uses a barge or a stun action. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, Jazz is uh, interested in making pins, and I really want to make this a reality. (laughs) (laughs) I have not heard of that plan, and I love it. Uh, That sounds super cool. That would be phenomenal. Uh, Uh, We're we're getting a little further afield, though. Uh, Skylar, is there a mask you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, All right. On on our way out from Echo Guys, though, I just want to um, reiterate how cool it is that not only does it refix objectives, but mm. it also gives you that defensive bonus. Um, mm. And I think that that defensive bonus could be worth the decision alone. You might not even care about um, the feature token swap that's occurring. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm on two defense dice already and I really want to live. So let's yeah. go ahead and uh, shore up uh, cover for myself permanently for the round. Yeah. Uh, you talked about reasons why one of these actions might be worth the worth the activation cost and um i think you outlined it perfectly like if you manage to trigger death's domain uh hold all objectives in one one territory 
uh, that's one action to get you two glory. That's that's worth it. So agree. All right, on to the next eye uh, or mask rather, but this one is called Victrix's Eye. Um, so Victrix's Eye is um, or it comes with a action called Piercing Stare. Uh, this fighter makes the following attack action, and it is a range three, two smash, one damage attack uh, with Grievous, one, and Cleave. Mm. And um, you're going to have to pull up the art on this one because um, <laughs> I'm always going to love this card, almost <laughs> simply because of the art itself. Uh, I saw it and immediately thought of Combustion Man from <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender. And uh, I, <laughs> I think if you're familiar with that character... Um, it would be it would be hard not to uh, continue to associate these. Like I may have just uh, uh, made that a permanent association in your brain because it, it's right there in mine. <laughs> um, there's uh, for those not familiar, there's a, a character uh, in, in Avatar: The Last Airbender um, who kind of has a twist on fire bending and uh, has an eye painted on his forehead, very similar to this one, and fires a laser beam uh, out from there. Um, and it feels very much so like what this card is doing. Um, so I'm just pleased this punch uh, over here because uh, that that's an all-time favorite of mine. Well, I think art aside, I think there's some important mechanics of this one to kind of lay out. No, 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 it's, it's all the art. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what fighter is actually wearing this? But I immediately thought of the Warhammer Plus figure, the sorcer- sorceress from Slaves to Darkness, mm-hmm. when I saw her mask. But I can't, I can't figure out what fighter... What else uh, this is? Um, yeah. Is this? It's got a pointy ear, so I figured you'd know. No she way. Makes... No. It's a big, big it... mane of black hair. Is it not alien? Ear. Um, hmm. I'll get back to you on that. I need to, I need <sighs> to know now. Listeners, but... let us know. <laughs> okay. Uh, but to, to run down uh, the mechanics of the card, a um, couple cool things uh, that stand out. Uh, first off, um, it does not list that it's an attack action upgrade, um, which at first blush seems weird. Um, but when you think about it a little more, it is an action. It is the piercing stare action. So when I take a charge, I don't have access um, to this range three, two smash attack. I right. can't make it as part of a charge. Um, so I have to actually take the piercing stare action to then perform this attack. Um, and as not uh, an attack action upgrade, that means a beast can wear this mask yeah. and, and perform this attack, which I think is really cool. And I think in a distinction there, distinction there is that uh, beasts cannot be given attack action upgrades. However, this could be, if there was something that prevented a fighter from making an attack action, uh, I'm thinking of some like pretty deep cuts like the uh, Chosen Axes, uh, piercing stare, whatever it is that says this fighter can't charge or make an attack action. This this guy is making an action, which then makes an attack action. So uh, I think if you have a, a specific prohibition, you know, in a, that this fighter cannot make an attack action, I don't think you can give this to that fighter, but I could be wrong. I mean, I think you give it to him, you just wouldn't be able to take the action, I yeah. should say. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think so too. Yeah, I don't particularly like the unintuitiveness of this, that it's a action that's not an attack or it's a it's an it's not an attack action that is an attack action. 
if I'm saying yeah. that right. I, but yeah, I think it's kind of cool. Like you pointed out that it could potentially be put onto a beast. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I think, uh, I think that profile is great. Uh, the, the I think two smash cleave grievous range three. Uh, that's that's awesome. And I think uh, mitigating it with the uh, with the fact that you can't charge with it, then that kind of brings it back into to scale a little bit. Sometimes I feel a little uh, iffy uh, regarding Grievous on um, two attacks dice. like this. Yeah, on two dice, sure. um, especially like at range. But uh, here, I really like it uh, thematically. It feels like, you know, um, the mask landed a critical hit, right? Like, yeah. um, it just feels a little more fluffy here than I, I kind of feel like that grievous um tends tends to feel and maybe that's just me but yeah in general nemesis decks don't necessarily come with a ton of weapons so this is just another good tool in the toolbox it is but again it's such like a weird weapon because you can't charge with it uh you can put it on beast like we said i think we could like really spend a lot of time on the like little rules intricacies um you could give it to a zombie but you couldn't use you know if we're we're talking the uh, exiled dead uh, it would not trigger on the, the, dance. the dance because the a regulus could regulus could. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so it's just, it's, there's a, it's one that you got to read carefully. And I, I think it's real easy to misplay some pieces of it, but it's a cool idea for sure. Agree. All right, Davey. What yeah, mask I, are you going to leave Brian with? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with the eternal smile. I, I thought this might be the one that he liked, but uh, this is uh, Rictus of Carnage is the action. Plus one damage to this fighter's range one and two attack actions other than scything attack actions until the end of the round. Uh, again, uh, I mean, I think this is, if you had some way to get this out really early in round one, uh, totally do it so that your first attack comes in super hot. But I think this also has a fair amount of value in round three where you're like, well, I'm going to have one real good shot at doing this. Let me... Let me power this up. Um, and am I wrong, guys? Could you use this more than once? So, like, I'm going to use this round uh, activation one, activation two, activation three. Now I'm charging with plus three damage. Oh, uh, that's yeah. interesting. I guess that... Until the end of the round. Man, my read on this was initially that you could only do it once. Um, like, if you did it again... Like it would continue to just offer the the single damage because it's not like adding a counter. Um, My thought was that yeah, you spend a whole action on this. If you can get three activations on it, yeah, you get plus one damage on each of those attacks. Yeah, uh-huh. there, there used know, to be though. a a tome, one of the uh, cataphrane tomes that you could sit and charge up multiple times uh, and then come in hot, which I would sometimes do with Molog. I don't know. Uh, I, it's, it's not like it grants a status that here, you now have this status that while you have this status plus one damage, I think um, you're right. I think you can take this multiple times. I don't yeah. see why you wouldn't. This is great strength with the caveat that it can't be used in scything and you have to spend an action to do it. I would say yes. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think that use case will come up a whole lot, but, uh, it's interesting. You know, sometimes you have some fighter that has stacked enough wounds that it's, it's hard to get there. So uh, if you can afford the actions and they can't get away from you or kill you before you trigger it, then I I think you might've earned it. Just keep Um, chopping. 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I think this, uh, most often has, has, uh, value in round three where, um, where you have the, the chance to do something, yeah. uh, big. I I've used it once so far. Um, I've played this deck three times in prep for today's episode. And the one time I used it, I wanted to be able to threaten a kill mm-hmm. without the commitment of two fighters, um, mm-hmm. and without putting that first fighter in a bad spot. So um, instead of putting the, ba- the first fighter in a bad spot, I just took the action to add the plus one damage. And all of a sudden now that singular fighter for me was mm. threatening a uh, kill, but doing so um, from, from safety instead of having to get, you know, charged in there initially. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know why I keep on going down little rules, rules, uh, tributaries here, but the, this is, if you have a resurrectable fighter and use this action, make a charge, get killed, resurrect, you could make another charge, I think, uh, and still have this effect. Like it, it doesn't give a counter that then goes away when you die. So my gosh. (laughs) Now here's, here's a question too. Uh, so if I spend this action rictus of carnage, right. Mm -hmm. And then I equip a new, mask does the benefit go away then oh because that fascinating i don't think it goes off away. the table well hmm no i don't think it goes away yeah fighters fighters don't have uh an effect on the game if they're out of action but this is not a fighter so i think it's probably good to go i feel like it's been put into motion by yeah. the action um wild yeah huh <laughs> so you could <laughs> You could do this action, charge in with a fighter if you're now charged out, and then equip Envy uh, Shroud of Envies for a little extra Envy protection. Shroud. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Brian, I, what what mask are we the most cold on? Well, <laughs> I just, the flavor text on this one, I think it's disgusting. But uh, uh, the Frostbitten Veil. Uh, comes with its own action power surge. You can re-roll each dice in this fighter's attack rolls until the end of the round. What? <laughs> that, we've seen plenty of accuracy cards get restricted or even forsaken looking at you lurking horror. Uh, and this is nuts. I mean, it comes with having to spend an action. and yeah. uh, But Voltrons love this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's no range restriction. There's no. no quantity restriction. There's no, it doesn't even just say attack dice. So this works on spell attack actions. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yikes. That, uh, again, if you have the the uh, breathing room to trigger this, you just made yourself extraordinarily accurate. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I mean all attack rolls. So uh, I think about like a, a Ripa or something running around being like, Crazy. I'm going to reroll all my bite rolls, all my attack rolls. So better, better stay away from me. Yeah. Uh, coldness uh, had, had much more to do with the uh, frostbitten veil, by the way, or the frostbitten yeah, yeah. nature. We're, we're not actually <laughs> okay. cold on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, I picked up. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't the... even have the uh, scything prohibition. So if you're a scything guy, you can, you can oh, wow. reroll everything in that scything. I, I normally like they've gotten so good at saying, but not scything um, yeah. that it, I often pick pick that up. But I had not picked that up on first read here. Wow. Yeah. Uh. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, certainly for offensive decks, maybe the 
most powerful mask of the set, um, or certainly the easiest to see uh, a straightforward power payoff. Uh, maybe that's a better way to phrase it. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I feel like a Molog player always is going to white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, all these masks, like, fight for reason to uh, um, to exist in your deck. Like, yeah. I, there isn't a single mask that um, I don't feel can offer you a use case. And as we kind of dive into the deck, um, I think a lot of mask-based decks are going to ask you to bring all six of them. Mm. And I think that's okay. Um, and uh, I guess from there, uh, let's dive into it. Sure. Uh, so now that we've got the Hexen masks uh, covered, we kind of have a good baseline uh, to go from here. And let's dive into objectives. Uh, so I think I'll kick off. Uh, I'm going to pick two. We'll, we'll start with surges. And there are two surges that kind of um, go hand in hand. Um, so I'll talk about those real quick. Um, that is audacious Thief. aspect. <laughs> Thief, Thief, he says. <laughs> um, audacious aspect and vision of success. Um, so audacious um, is score this immediately after an activation step. And they both have that window, um, which I love. Uh, one or more friendly fighters with a mask upgrade holds an objective with an odd value or your warband holds two or more objectives, each of which is in no one's or enemy territory. And if we jump over to vision of success real quick, this well, one, most importantly, who saw Jim carries the mask when they saw this art? <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough since I saw that movie. It did not jump out to me. Agree. I'll, I'll share a picture. Hang on. <laughs> and that, now I can't unsee it. <laughs> so jumping over to vision of success real quick. Uh, this one uh, is a friendly fighter with a mask upgrade holds an objective with an even value. So we have odd on audacious and even on vision of success. Uh, or your warband holds three or more objectives and one or more of which are in no one's and or enemy territory. Um, and I like these cards quite a bit. Um, uh, one note I want to kind of like highlight um, before asking you guys how you feel about these is, so both of them are easier if you've been able to um, get a mask uh, in place in advance. Um, uh, but what I like is that the one that looks for odds, uh, there are three odd feature tokens at the beginning of the game. Um, so arguably, it's, it's a bit of an easier ask. Uh, to have a mask and be on an odd objective. And that's the one that asks for um, hybrid you know, purposes uh, to be on two or more objectives in no one's or enemy territory. So to leave your home territory, to be in the risky um, uh, side of the board. Um, so it kind of feels like the odd with the mask is the easy ask there and two objectives away from home is the hard ask. Whereas on Vision of Success, we have um, it looking for a mask on an even value, mm. which is the harder ask between the two of them because there's only two feature tokens um, that could could give you that, and like there's a chance they're not they're not in the home turf, um, or your warband holds three or more objectives and one or 
one or more of which are in no one's and or enemy territory. And that feels uh, fairly doable for for the window because uh, it's not after uh, an opponent's activation step. So you don't have to worry about um, like, was I able to hold it over my opponent's turn? You can set up for this quickly grab your three objectives at the end of your activation and you're only dipping a toe across the line uh, for this one. So it feels like they kind of evened out. Um, like both cards have one that's harder than the other and both cards have one that's easier than the other. Uh, and I really, I really uh, found that to be um, a cool design choice because now I want to bring both. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, I think these two objectives are especially worth highlighting. I'm glad you brought them up early because to me they feel like they feel like in-house the most probable way that you will earn yourself some seed glory to get a mask out. Um, and that you know a lot of this deck sings if you can get a mask out, right? So you either got to get a kill, to get that rolling or you got to find some non non bounty way of getting some starter glory to get a mask so that some of your gambits and other uh, objectives start, start going off. Agree. Um, and I don't, do you feel like there's other better ways to get things started than these two? Uh, in this deck, I think these are the quickest way yeah. um, to, to get your foot in, in the door from a glory standpoint and get your um, mask game plan online. Yeah. yeah. Beside from what the warband's bringing itself, these feel yeah. like the auto includes Agreed. for getting this rolling. Uh, and Brian, uh, there's a, a really fun interaction with the mask you let off with. Yeah, I mean, you could theoretically have both of these in hand and have Echo guys standing on one of the odd or even numbers, and then swap it for another one and score both. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and actually now that I'm thinking about it, Skyler, do you, I, I don't, maybe I missed it. Did you point out the scoring window on this? Cause that's, that's pretty significant based on what we've seen recently as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pointed that out because I, I think that's what makes these cards, um, like includable in every mass deck. Um, if they had to wait until after an opponent's activation or even, um, after a power step, it's just not as likely that you're going to be able to secure that in your activation and walk out the door with this glory. Yeah, that feels intentional. right? I mean, that that's what makes me feel even more so like these are your seed glory generators. Again, if the deck is built, if you're just taking this rival style, uh, I feel like that's what tips it. Uh, that that's maybe what tipped it into this like any activation just so you could because you're still putting a fighter at risk you're putting him in no one's or maybe you're putting two at risk uh depending on the case so yeah um it was cool i was what i i guess what i like seeing about that is that it shows they're continuing to think about not just like hey the correct step to make any you know hold objective thing is after an opponent's activation or, or power step and in general I, I often like them to be that way uh, but in this I think it's a really good choice to to uh, space them like they did and I like the level of uh, thought that that indicates went into that choice agree all right do either of you want to grab a surge uh, I'll take it <laughs> I think uh, I think domino dominance is uh, one that 
Like you, you talk about snowball in a game. If you can get the seed glory and get a mask down, uh, if you can get somebody inspired. So this is surge scores immediately after power step after a power step. So yours or someone else's, if one or more surviving inspired friendly fighters have a mask upgrade, uh, you know, if you have an easy inspire, uh, then as soon as you got a glory, especially if you've got six of these masks in deck, this is this is like as as unpreventable and easy a score as, as it comes, you know. Yeah, speaking of windows, really making a card um, after a power step is incredible because so you've just had an activation uh, that had an inspire step that followed it, right? So you had potentially an opportunity to inspire going into power and then you can wait for, you know, to see that inspiration before you commit a mask down during power and mm. boom, like it's, so you don't have to, you know, risk that mask early. If you don't want to, you can wait uh, for the power stuff you're planning on scoring domino dominance. Um, and in the sense of dominoes, you can score either of the cards that we just talked about uh, audacious aspect or vision of success at the end of the activation surge into domino dominance, like uh, on your draw. Right. Um, And then be in a power step where you then also score domino dominance following that power step. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Yeah. I I think this is one that fits very, very smoothly into this deck. Um, I think you, you talked about, I wish I could remember the phrase you used. No, it wasn't internal synergy, um, but like whatever the the internal mechanics of this deck. Um, we'll continue to talk about this. I, I think there's these functions that work really well internally in here, and I'm curious to see um, how often people will be able to kind of dip only partially into this deck. Agree. All right, Brian, are there any of the remaining three searches you'd like to highlight? Uh, uh, do I highlight the one that we don't like? <laughs> I think you highlight, you highlight anyone that you think is interesting for whatever reason. Uh, slaughter satisfied leaves me unsatisfied. Um, <laughs> it's one of the better arts, but uh, this is a surge. Score this immediately after an activation step. If there are more enemy fighters out of action than there are surviving enemy fighters for one glory. Um, wish this was two or three glory because that's hard and dice and opponent matchup dependent. Uh, the more than enemy fighters means that you have to exceed. Um, that that sucks because uh, three fighter warband you got to kill two of them. That that sucks. Um, dislike this a lot. Yeah, even in a four fighter warband, two isn't going to cut it, right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I'm I'm warmer on this against odd numbered warbands than I am against even you know like I even against uh, storm coven. I feel like I can often get them down to one fighter. Uh, that yeah, one fighter is a beast to get rid of. Um, and so I, I think for that reason, I'm maybe a little warmer on this card in general because although it feels like a kill surge and it can be hard to get there, it, as as a late surge, this is often just like, hey, I drew it, I'm going to score it. Um, I'm not saying it's great and I'm not saying that it's like my new hotness, but um, I I think this in you know with some war bands and as tight as surges can be in nemesis i think this sometimes is going to make the cut for me interesting <laughs> this is this is yeah this is a surge that scores better in the end game or in the end uh later rounds that is true. and that's not where i want surges scoring that's true uh maybe it's just because of the war bands i've been playing lately i've been playing hexbane who 
I like flies and I've been playing storm coven who I can kill two. And then one, the last sure. one just kicks my teeth in. So that makes sense. Well, um, I think we can kind of wrap up surges here and to wrap them up, I'll just, uh, call out what the other two have to offer and we'll just jump over to, uh, end phases from there. So, um, to kind of round out the surge package, uh, death's visage is, um, a kill surge asking you to wear a mask when you get the kill. Um, offering you a hybrid condition. Uh, if you don't have a mask, um, your third or subsequent successful attack action in the same phase has to be successful there. Um, uh, yeah. And Feast of Violence. Um, this surge is a duel. Uh, this is, you've made your third or subsequent range one or range two attack action. So unfortunately, Bitrix's eye uh, doesn't uh, jump in here. Uh, made by a friendly fighter in the same phase. And each of those attack actions uh, was made in a different activation step. So requiring three activations uh, to get Feast of Violence out. Um, anything that you two want to say uh, regarding these two before we jump over to end phase? I feel just kind of spoiled by uh, Gale Force. Uh, typically, Gale Force is going to go in three activations, uh, but if you have extra out-of-sequence attack actions, then it can score even faster, and this prevents that. So it's like a slower Gale Force, so the recency bias has me just turned off of this card. But, I mean, if it's not bad. Um, Feast, Feast you know, of Violence here, yeah. Yeah, Feast of Violence, you know, it'll... It's not bad, but I don't like the speed of it. I I like that it's uh, extremely reliable. Um, like you know, you know if I, you're going to attempt three attacks over the course of your round um, in in three activations, you're going to get it. Um, and I think it's mighty attractive for somebody like um, Hexbane, uh, where like they have the pistol that can you know. Oh well, yeah, no, the pistol. Ah, yeah. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> um, yep, I uh, immediately thought of that. But um, Wraith, let's say Wraith Creepers, right? Sure. Like some some uni- almost right. universally range two warband that is really good at getting multiple attacks off. Right. Yeah, and they when they have one, I believe, where if they're about to die, um, then they can make an attack, you know, on their way out the door, and that's yeah. going to be during the opponent's activation, um, yeah. and and help cheat this out a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I like this, the reliability of it. Uh, maybe not. This will be coming out after our Stab Lads episode. So does this work out with the uh, boss's poke? Yes, it does. Okay. Well, I mean... It, it does, although most of the time you're double dipping because you probably charged with whatever fighter. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, actually, maybe it doesn't because like either it's they've already each charged... Each of those attack actions made in a different attack. So you can't double dip. Right. Right, right. Um so, and if you didn't charge, then all you did was move and then your activation was over. And so then it technically happened outside the activation step. So, uh, it counts, but only in so far as, uh, only in so far as like, if you manage to do some reaction thing, like there, there, there's a, if you were a, huh, then it would need to be a champs build or as void cursed, where if you like reacted with priorities right. uh, and came in and that triggered that during an enemy activation, then yeah, then it would happen during an activation and enemy one. So I guess if you really, really wanted to make sure that the leader, uh, was, um, had the highest chance of success at getting his, his little stab in, uh, you could barge. 
with the one fighter, right? <laughs> Sta- stagger the opponent and then do a little stab stab. <laughs> Cute. No, you can't. Well, because the, the barge, because his stab happens after the move, ah, uh, but before the stab. No. Yeah, like think think of that cruel skewer, like however good you think it is, take like 25% off because <laughs> it is right. it is is a tough one. Anyway, well, that's, a, that's a different podcast that um, we... From Feast of Violence to Feast of End Phases. Okay. Um, so... Uh, instead of kicking off then phases uh, and stealing somebody's favorite, we'll start. We'll start with Brian. What would you like to steal from me, Brian? I'm just going to go for a super easy, simple stoic appearance. Uh, score this in an end phase if one or more friendly mm-hmm. fighters with a mask upgrade are holding an objective. Do you have a sea glory? Spend that sea glory. Get another sea glory. Yeah, I mean it's it's a solid card i'm glad to see it in here um and it hits what you want a one glory and phase to hit yeah and it synergizes with the objectives that you're already trying to do like both those surges and i think there's a um uh there's another one maybe totally overpowered that is caring about holding objectives so you should already be working on standing on stuff what was that Um, Uh, davy totally overpowered totally overpowered uh, yeah, I'll talk that one. <laughs> That's a duel. Score this in an end phase if your warband holds two or more objectives and more than half of the fighters in one or more enemy warbands are out of action. Ouch. Oh, wait. And or have one or more wound counters. Um, so this is not a path to victory clone, but is the path to victory family. Right. Uh, where it is hold to and do some other thing to get to glory. Uh, and Cousins. Yeah, cousins. Great, great call. Uh, I like that. Uh, I actually like it quite a bit. Um, and it, it's not that they have to have been taken out of action this round to just have to be out of action or already have those wound counters. And I frequently find that being the situation where there's been some exchanges. Maybe I chipped somebody and then they retreated that fighter to a safe spot. Uh, and so this feels really doable. And I, I think... I think there's a lot of war bands that can work with this. Um, so yeah, I'm really this, hot on this one too. Yeah. And uh, I think the hold to and ask something more of you for, for two glory is a design space. I want to see them continue to explore because totally. I think it's um, like, this is a staple for making um, hold viable mm-hmm. in the meta. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and this card's definitely supported in the current meta's uh, ping prevalence. Um, and no mask here either. So um, not only is it a card we're hot on, but it is one um, that you can take into any uh, any build. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so I'll jump in with a card called Naked Dwarf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you referred to this as, as like what I, i'm like oh that's a weird typo and i can't figure out what he possibly like meant instead of naked dwarf and like no that's what i meant <laughs> yeah I, I caught it immediately but uh for me the art kind of like looks like the axe and his hand are floating but it's the highlight of the axe blade edge yeah. oh sure sure uh <laughs> like rayman from yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but, uh, th- this card is actually called hooded stranger, uh, just features, uh, a, a, a proud to be their fire slayer, and, <laughs> uh, score this in an end phase. If one or more friendly fighters with a mask upgrade are in enemy territory, when you score this objective, if there are no enemy fighters adjacent to one or more of those friendly fighters gain one additional glory point. Ooh. So that's, that's hot. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, you're as long as you can cross the line and stay alive, and that could be your final activation, um, then you are guaranteeing one glory. And if you can play keep away uh, into the end phase, that's two glory. And I think there's enough tools in this deck to make um, that a, a very real uh, possibility for you. I, I think this is going to be an extremely reliable two glory for this for this deck. Yeah, uh, this this feels like a great one for Envy's Shroud. Like, hey, I'm a little worried this guy might die. All right, here's plus one wound. Stay alive. Um, or even just like the very last power step of the turn. Right. That guy is the candidate. He's on his own in inventory. Here's a mask. Could give me two glory. Thanks, bud. Right. Absolutely. I feel like for counter tech, this card and Cold of the Void both increase the stocks of any push enemy fighter cards because I'm going to keep an eye out for these two cards now a lot. Agree. Um, well, I'm I'm still hot on, on the rest of the end phase that's available here. Um, uh, Davey, uh, grab another one. Cool. I was worried that this was going to get stolen from me after you made me take totally overpowered. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to uh, call out Victorious Veils, mostly because it's a design that we haven't seen before, and I, I like it. Um, this is a score in an end phase of three or more surviving friendly fighters. Each have a mask upgrade. When you score this objective... If it is the third end phase, gain two additional glory points. Um, I I think we've seen the um, like if you do this in a small way, uh, score some glory. If you do it in a big way, get a lot of glory. I don't know that we've seen a score it this way if it's round one or two, and then score it this way if it's round three, and its its condition is uh, easy in both. I, I like that because. Uh, it isn't as monstrous as like somebody getting, um, you know, getting their big scores off early. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, not what's the uh, the plan one from the the uh, lizard men, um, where the, sometimes the great plan, the great plan. Uh, if the great plan goes off in like round two, I mean, already you're in bad way. But uh, I, I like this because it'll keep your engine going in early rounds. Uh, and it's a nice finisher. And so you have your own, like, let's say you have, Hey, I could score this at the end of round two. Do I actually hang on to this for one more round so that I can be and, uh, and score three off it instead? Like, I, I like that internal decision-making that they've got to make. Um, I like that it is looking for you to have three fighters with the masks on. And so it is specifically not favoring, um, these elite war bands that we, we see so much um in the meta right now it says hey like elite warbands if you want to score this you better not lose anybody and it's hard for them to do that so a lot of things i like about the design of this card and the art is boss too yeah i very much love that we're we don't see third end phase cards but now there's a you know you get this in round one you're like hmm can i achieve this with can I gain enough sea glory to achieve this and keep the ball rolling? Do I keep it in round one? You know, so if you mulligan into this, so you're not totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And normally we see it as here's a way to score it with a condition that you will likely have achieved in round one. And here's a way to score it with a, a condition that you'll likely have achieved in round three. And this is just specifically same condition, but if you can do it early, it's not worth as much. If you do it late, it's worth more. So, right. Yeah. Love it. This, this card's a banger. Um, yeah. Big, big fan and i i enjoy the third end phase pressure it puts on you with yeah with a, a pressure release valve on it too right yeah 
Um, yeah. Oh, well, in, in some war bands, it, it's actually like you could argue that this is a this deserves to be three glory in the uh, third end phase because it may be harder to score uh, because maybe it's you know in many war bands keeping three fighters alive that long is actually kind of a, a challenge. Right. Like I know this is not a guarantee to be scored in the third end phase for gets, um, mm. but I think Exile Dead auto score this. Uh, Sepulchral Guard, love this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love this. That, mm. That's one of the warbands I tested with. And uh, when I drew this card, I think maybe I surged into it um, uh, either end of round one or, or start of round two. And I was just like, yeah, I'm holding this all the way all the way to third. Like, um, no doubt in my mind uh, on that one. Uh, and uh, another card that can offer you three glory uh, is Completed Pact. Um, score this in an end phase. If there are more surviving friendly fighters with mask upgrades than there are surviving enemy fighters. Uh, this is another card that um, favors hordes uh, over elite um, because this deck is offering you six masks and you're not going to have all six in your hand at uh, you know a given time because, uh, I mean, that's just not how five card hands work <laughs> but uh i love the 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 tension of this card um that you if you know you have it in your deck you're immediately doing the math uh in your head constantly of i need to reduce their fighters um by an amount of mask warriors i have um and so like that is it's, it's essentially just a twist on, we've seen this before, it's, you know, have more surviving friendly fighters than there are surviving enemy fighters. Um, but the mask um, condition here, like, uh, feels at home in this deck. This feels like a really fun uh, goal card. And if you are feeling good about being able to get victorious veils off in the third end phase... Um, when you're building your deck, then you're probably feeling pretty good about completed pact as well. Yeah, I, I just like that it gives an option if somebody is really tooling somebody up. You know, like again, I keep coming back to this, but a, a you know a storm coven, or maybe you've chipped away a bunch of uh, changers or something like that, and they're down to two. Like, can I? You like have the option of can I keep two or three mask wearers alive, and then I've got this nice big payoff. Um, and uh, I like I like that kind of. Uh, alternate path to victory that it uh, gives particularly to uh, bigger war bands. Agree. And I think, uh, well, uh, I want to kind of dive into as soon as we get out of objectives, um, who we think this deck is for um, as we go, you know, further into it. I think after objectives is, is a good pause point um, to kind of tackle that. I'm, um, I'm glad you said so. Cause I was sitting over here trying to figure out when we should talk about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so with only one more end phase, uh, we might as well mention it. Brian, would you scurry us into solid spread? Yeah, so solid spread, score this in an end phase if there are one or more friendly fighters in your territory, no one's territory, and enemy territory. So one fighter in each territory, one glory. Agree. Yeah, if um, if you're doing this already, you got a lot of bodies, um, you have something like scurry, and you can kind of... Um, you know, position right at the end, uh, going into the end phase. Uh, I think it's, it's a fine one glory. Uh, I don't particularly love how much positioning, uh, it requires of, um, of you, but I feel like this is one where there are going to be war bands 
that find this to be easy and don't mind accomplishing it, especially if you plan to have an objective in no one's territory. Um, and then uh, there are others that are just going to be like, <laughs> no, this is this is the one <laughs> one in phase I'm leaving out. I do yeah. think the card art is accurate because like round one, this makes this is easy for Wraith Creepers to score. Agree. Um, but yeah, one glory makes it risky holding on to rounds two and three. I don't know. Like, I'd, yeah, for one glory, it doesn't inspire me, but it is again for swarms like pretty yeah. easy it, it feels like it'd be too much at two glory but it's it's also uh, a lot to ask for one glory so i'm not sure how you yeah two uh, for two or for two glory this would be a problem card i think yeah, yeah. agree all right well um so after highlighting um how you score in this deck where do we feel um this positions um somebody looking to um to use this deck uh, like what what would be uh, a best pairing for all of this um, scoring route. Um, or to say, are, are you speaking specifically like with Nemesis or uh, taking this as rivals or, or just broadly? Ah, uh, broadly with a focus, I suppose, on Nemesis. Okay. Uh, well, then I will once again throw it back at you because I, when we were looking at this, again, I, I kept on trying to figure out like where does the seed glory come from? Because that's how this deck starts flowing. And, uh, you know, for that, I was like, oh, maybe you have to do it by killing. And so I was trying to think about war bands that could generate those kills. Uh, and then I saw that you were practicing with Sepulchral Guard and I thought about it for a second. I was like, that's actually a pretty inspired choice. So why don't you tell us about how you landed on Sepulchral Guard and how you felt about that? Yeah, uh, I was thinking that um, if I wanted to get the masks out as I was seeing them uh, and I wanted them to go further for me for something like... Um, uh, completed pact or victorious fails um, that the ability to resurrect masked fighters um, uh, would probably um, uh, benefit me quite a bit. And so initially I, I landed on, I didn't actually land on hordes uh, initially, um, but I think this deck um, actually can benefit uh, a lot of horde horde ends. Um, first it was, it was resurrection uh, that I was hung up on. So I was thinking about, um, Headsman's Curse, uh, Sepulchral Guard, um, uh, even uh, those that have like a, a couple of tools to get there, like Velmorn um, and uh, Ephilim or uh, Grimwatch or um, Spike Claw Swarm, right? So it, it, my, my brain just immediately started uh, going, how can I guarantee that those mask fighters are there? Um, and Resurrection was was what I was thinking. And then it's like, oh, well, you're also trying to hold um, with some of these, um, you know, with totally overpowered, with vision of success, audacious aspect. And I was like, uh, you know who aggressively holds and resurrects? <laughs> <laughs> the Spulker Guard. Uh, yeah. In fact, um, I don't want to take full credit for it. Um, I was like thinking over out loud, uh, like Phil came, Phil came over um, and I was not yet familiar fully with the deck. Uh, and I started talking about resurrection and he mentioned sepulchral guard um, almost in passing. Like, I think that was like his first choice as well, but mm. um, he barely got the words out and my brain just uh, like uh, <laughs> clicked into place and was like, Nope, that's it. That's what we're testing. <laughs> um, because I think that's perfect. Um, and uh, 
uh, yeah, that, that game uh, worked really well. That was um, so that was actually the game that I played uh, just rivals. I just mm. wanted to play the masks um, and being able to use the warden um, was enough to uh, put me at 15 glory over 10 into the stab lads there. Um, but just constantly being able to pressure holding objectives and being able to resurrect fighters with masks um, worked, worked really well there. I like that. Uh, I like that pairing. Uh, again, credit to Phil, not on this episode, but he mentioned he'd really like to see it into Grimwatch. And the more that we've talked about it, the more I like that idea. Um, they have a great way of sneaking people in the enemy territory. I, I think a lot of these... A lot, especially before inspiration, a lot of their attacks are, you know, like not great. Uh, actually, not great is, is being generous. They're terrible. Um, but uh, giving them, hey, here's something you can do. Like, here's a mask. Like, do this action because your attack sucks. So, like, do right. this thing instead. Uh, they don't feel that as, as painfully as somebody who's got, you know, a, a better attack action. And they have some uh, positioning capabilities you know, uh, resurrect a fighter in the back lines and then you've got a great candidate for a hooded stranger. Um, so, uh, that it's obviously it's real similar territory to the sepulchral guard, but, um, I, I'm interested to try that out. Yeah. It's like in ages past, uh, it used to be like weapon missiles where you just throw a really strong weapon upgrade onto a fighter and send it. Yeah. Uh, but now with these masks, it's instead equipping the utility, um, so you suddenly make a foolish little ghoul with a sad attack action into somewhat of a mastermind. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. um, um, what do you got, Brian? Yeah. So I'm still foolishly all on discord, uh, just going to be maining them for a while. So I still foolishly want to try this with, uh, an elite war band, even though that's a bad idea. I'm sure I'm going to immediately regret, um, but I just want to try and flex into as much control as I can. And uh, some of these options seem really enticing. Um, want to see how it goes. An elite I really want to see uh, try this out is Headsman's Curse. Um, yeah, I had that same thought with the Resurrects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, strong counter punch and pushes. Like, I don't know uh, if this would be like... Um, uh, like the best pairing for them or the most reliable pairing for them. Um, but man, I think it would be fun. Sure. I, I agree. There's some cards we're going to talk about that. I think um, also kind of play into that. Some um, like I want to, is... I want to run gets with this uh, for my swarm, but they don't resurrect and they don't bring r- any good objectives really. Like they have a really poor objective pool, especially for holding objectives. So they don't synergize with the, hold aspects here except for infestation and i i went down a rabbit hole of like using (laughs) echo guys to flip an objective and then send it to the opponent's backfield but there's a whole lot of ifs to that this Um, uh yeah little look behind the curtain here right when brian got on the call he was currently in a uh skype not skype uh discord chat with Skyler. so i was hearing one side of the conversation and it was specifically that you're like and so just hearing brian like yeah it probably won't work yeah, infestation, but I don't know. Ah, uh, but you could swap it. You know, it's like I'm like, oh, it's interesting. To try and read the tea leaves on what this conversation <laughs> is. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, maybe, but there's only one get in the art. 
Well, uh, one, go ahead. One other thing I want to um, highlight uh, as we talk about pairings, um, as I mentioned that I think this is uh, a relatively good deck for hordes in general. Um, and part of that is with a horde war band, you usually have some sort of movement tricks um, that can help you position uh, for what this is asking of you. Um, but also you're usually like the downside to playing hordes is an amount of glory bleed that you have to overcome. And here, I think that uh, it's offering you enough glory. So overcoming the glory bleed, we have four objectives uh, end phase that on their own can offer a horde up to 10 glory in a game. You know, Hooded Stranger uh, can offer you up to two plus totally overpowered, hold two, uh, and, you know, splash some damage around, take some fighters out of action. Um, that's another two. Uh, so we're up to four. Three from completed pact. If you can just continue to use your numbers to outnumber your opponent and get masks in place, that puts us up to seven. And then if you can rely, uh, you know, if you feel comfortable holding victorious veils into a third end phase and just having three surviving fighters with masks, you're up to 10 glory. Um, and I think that's pretty exciting, especially with some fail safes in there, like victorious veils being able to fall back and, and grant you that one glory, um, mm-hmm. and, and not offer you nothing, um, is, um, a, a recipe for, for decks. I, I hope to see, um, that focus on using this, uh, in horde war bands out there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I am doing a little thinking of like what, what less horde war like not so much a horde war band would i be willing to try this out with and you already mentioned you know headsman's curse uh i'm i'm playing in my head a little bit with like uh, you know some war band that's got real solid stat lines but maybe you know is is happy to go deep into some deck uh, archetype so i'm i'm you know i'm even thinking about like um uh Magor's fiends or something like that you know because they have the cannot be driven back so you know holding objectives is not terrible for them i, I like because there's some and offensive Riptooth stuff can. here like what's that and riptooth can hold objectives yeah exactly like uh and they have you know those counter punch you know just built into the profile of the you missed me i'm gonna hit you back uh and so they're getting more mileage out of the infinite rerolls or plus one damage and all that sort of thing so um that's i i think we've I, I agree with our, our focus on the those Horde War bands, and I love, like you were saying, Skyler, I love how much this looks like it helps them in a meta that currently hasn't seen a lot of them. Um, but I also like thinking of some of those edge cases, and that's because also that jumped up. like Storm of Celestis cares about the numbers and having Echo guys in the toolkit. Yeah. Shout out, Sleeks Bowl. <laughs> there you go. Or uh, running a dog with Vitrix's eye into a position. <laughs> <laughs> Put a mask on Sleek. Put a mask on Sleek. Yeah. 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 Oh, you got to you gotta get a bandana for Rhea that looks like Vitrix's eye. I absolutely have to. <laughs> Pictures to come. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I think we're all excited um, to talk about the gambits in this deck. Uh, I feel like we could spend a whole episode talking about the gambits on this deck. Yeah. Um, so I'm going first. I'm stealing your favorite. <laughs> so let's I'm stealing Maskborn. <laughs> all right. Go for it. Haha, <laughs> thief. Uh, choose a friendly fighter with a mask upgrade that is out of action. Place the chosen fighter on a starting hex in your territory. 
The chosen fighter then makes one action. After the following surge step, the chosen fighter is taken out of action. When the chosen fighter is taken out of action in this way, they have no bounty. That's spicy as hell. <laughs> yeah. This card I, is so fun. <laughs> there are so many uh, crazy uses you can think of this. You know, like, let's just run down some of them that we've we've thought of with this. Like, Yeah, is uh, your D'Antelo's dead already? <laughs> yeah come back and do your thing one more time. I mean, you know, the dead war bands jump out like one more ghoul call, um, or in that same war band, like, you know, the, uh, Duke crack has got a great attack as far as that war band goes. So bring it back for one more range two attack, uh, warden come back for two, or if you've got the right upgrade, three moves or raise somebody. And this is another, I mean, in, in those war bands, this is like another raise gambit. Uh, and, and they've tried to focus somebody down like, wow, Hot, 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 hot. Yeah, this card is just, just wild. <laughs> um, and it being restricted to uh, starting hexes in your territory, I think, yeah. um, is uh, a good sweet spot for where we're going to allow you know this this action to take place. But it also then really threatens presence in that territory once um, the the mask player is losing fighters, specifically with masks on them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's an important thing to mention here that uh, a charge is not an action. Like a charge has been more clearly defined as a super action, not an action. So this does not bring somebody back to make a quick charge and then disappear again. But I could bring one of my Discord fighters back with Icon of Excess and do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you could. Uh, You could bring um, somebody back with a spell attack because they're your only source for, you know, squeezing out another uh, spell action or, you know, uh, spell cast uh, for a surge. Like, you could bring um, Siren Eye back to Hammer Tide, that one fighter that you thought you absolutely oh, had saved. Yeah. God. And then rising oh. tide scores. <laughs> like, oh man. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. And yeah, right. And Siren Siren I didn't even think about that. That's like uh this is almost a ping anybody card in Siren I, right? <laughs> like Oh boy. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But it doesn't feel busted. It just feels interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But um because to really leverage it, you have to lean into this. You have to have the masks to put out. So I think there's decks. Uh, or warbands rather, where um, this doesn't make it into your, uh, you know, ten poise because um, you, there's just so much to sh- uh, to shove into here, and you're like, you know what, the, I'm really only going to get the attack out of this at best, uh, yeah. and um, you might opt just for some other options because of how restrictive that might feel, like it being a starting hex in your territory. Um, uh, like you could not always, you know, have that opportunity to pop up and, and whack somebody. Um, yeah. uh, but man, I feel like this card is just going to create some great moments um, for, for both sides of the table. Just the enthusiasm this card is going <laughs> to yeah, uh, bring yeah, into totally. matches. Yeah. If you've got a bunch of fighters with masks out of action, the Swiss army knife of your opponent just being like, God, what? I haven't seen mask born yet. Which of these is he going to screw me with? <laughs> yeah. Agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, gosh, I, uh, I, we didn't even mention them, but, um, uh, when I was trying to think about what war bands can cheat out upgrades, uh, one of those is hex banes. And right. the thing is they've got such great in faction upgrades that, you know, maybe they, 
are not that big a fan of having to spend upgrade slots on masks. But uh, as many times as I've gotten huge fighters chopped in half by woodcutter strength, Amos, like knowing that he might just like show up and be like, hello, <laughs> I'm going to hit you for, you know, six damage real quick. Like, oh no. Oh my God. Uh, Frostbitten veil woodcutter's axe on Amos. Yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think what's coming across real strongly is we, we love the world of possibilities that a card like this opens up. I agree. All right, Davey, there are so many Yambits I'm excited about that you can't possibly steal all of them. What would you like I, to take? Yes, you I can. Won't. How many do you want? Three, four? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I'm going to take one that I think uh, is interesting in this deck. And uh, if if you're doing championship builds as well, there, there's uh, it's I think of it hand-in-hand hand with Massborn because of some of the the massive possibilities it opens up and this is revealed aspect ah you did um, it anyways <laughs> yeah i knew i would uh so this one it it's a uh, modal uh so pick one and the first one is draw one power card so either you can just say this card's gonna replace itself <laughs> uh which honestly like is if, if you just had a card that says hey you can take just 19 cards if you want like that's not terrible right um it, you know, basically, like if this isn't going to do anything for you, replace it. Yeah. Uh, however, this is again, you know, like this is not a specific thing that moves you. This second ability doesn't like obviously scream like I'm helping this aspect of your deck. Um, uh, is uh, it goes as follows: Choose a friendly fighter, for, including fighters who are out of action, with one or more upgrades. Add one of those upgrades to your hand, then give the chosen fighter one upgrade from your hand or power discard pile. Do not spend any glory points when you do so. So this has it basically like, hey, I'm gonna hot swap an upgrade, um, and it can be like I lost. Uh, I lost an upgrade that's really important because I, I put a defensive buff on a fighter that is really good, but then they critted through anyway. And now I'm really sad that I can't put that on a different fighter. Um, now I'm going to go, uh, dig it out of the, dig it out of the, uh, dead fighters hands and put it on a living fighter. Uh, I've seen, I've, I've imagined, uh, charging like, Hey, I've only got one glory. Um, I'm going to, and I have to decide like, do I want defensive tech or offensive tech? Well, here I could say like, uh, I'm going to give an offensive upgrade in, in this case. Like I think we're, we're seeing Gartok is in the art here. Like here, Gartok have, you know, have this offensive upgrade, send him in charge. Uh, he got his kill and now I'll play revealed aspect and swap that for a defensive upgrade. Um, so now I got the benefits of the offensive upgrade. I brought it back into my hand to give to somebody else, and Gartok, who's now in the vulnerable position, has the defensive upgrade out there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could take up all the airspace talking about this, but I'm, I'm going to give you guys a chance to uh, <laughs> chat about some of the cool ideas, cool things you can do with this. Just from a art narrative perspective, the Echo Guys is on Gartok. And yeah. so I like that uh, the Echo Guys being able to swap future tokens is also the card shown swapping uh, upgrades out Ooh. in and out of the out of action. So I hadn't, I hadn't put that together. I love that. Yeah, fun. No, this is my favorite card uh, in the deck. I I love this card so much. Um, the fact that you can also like essentially pay for it um, with a um, upgrade that is in your discard pile 
is yeah. really cool. So th- there are those times where you, uh, you know, are in the end phase and you're like, oh, I really, I don't have the glory for this upgrade, but I really want this uh, later. Um, or um, so, so you have that moment where you feel pressured to, to hold it and draw four right? Uh, to get you up to five, you can, knowing that this is in your deck, you can be like, I'm going to have another chance at this later, you know, hopefully. Um, So it it eases some of that pressure. Um, But if, um, you know, somebody's dead and it's like, oh no, like I don't want to give them a card from my hand. um, Then when I said pain for this, it's like, I'm going to pull something off that dead fighter, add that to my hand. And you know what? That dead fighter can have this card. I didn't care about for my discard pile. <laughs> like, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, talking about the games I've been playing a lot recently. I'm like, uh, I have glory seeker in my deck. Uh, and, uh, I'm fighting against Hexbane. It's very unlikely I'll ever need this. So all of a sudden that becomes right. fuel for this, you know? Yeah. And you have six masks. Um, there's a chance, uh, like if, if you're running all six masks, right, there's a chance, you don't need uh, to put that fifth or sixth mask into play, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you kind of feel like that's a little extra drag. You're happy, you know, that the numbers were there to guarantee that you had, you know, the four or five out that you have, but you don't need that additional mask, like right. fuel for the fire here. Um, and this can save your masking plan. If you haven't been lucky enough to draw the masks that you brought, but you drew this and you have a mask and a dead fighter that you really need, you know, to score... Mm-hmm either have three or, um, you know, outnumber them, you can, you can get that back. Oh, or even, uh, let's say you have a fighter that died and they need you to be able to, you, you're like, gosh, I really wish I could bring that guy back for one more moment or, or more than that. But, uh, then you can put a, you can sneak a mask onto a dead guy, use mask born to bring him back and do a thing with that, uh, fighter, like uh, a lot of, a lot of fun, Dude, this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of fun stuff to play with. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, let's let's jump over to another gambit here. Let's talk about taking over because okay. we talked about how the actions on the masks um, like may not always feel uh, worth it from an action uh, economy standpoint. You don't really want to spend the activation on it, but you really want that benefit. Um, that's what taking over is here for. Uh, it is choose a friendly fighter with a mask upgrade that has an action on that mask upgrade. The chosen fighter makes that action. So all of a sudden, all of those actions feel a lot better when you can just activate one of them in the power step. Um, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, there's so many times that I'll see a mask go down and be like, that's fine. I'm okay if they got to spend an action to do that. I really hope they don't have taking over in their hand because all of a sudden now I'm in a huge, I'm in a huge dangerous situation. Which uh, masks do we really fear this being used on? I think if uh frostbitten veils on a big boy Ugh. fighter and taking I mean, over comes out, I'm just like, Oh, no. Or even Vitrix's eye. And you're like, okay, I'm going to have time to get away from that. And then taking over comes out and fires. It's just, Oh no, I'm firing my laser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or even, I mean, I think the howling hood, we talked to that about that being like a, eh, it's a fine. That is an amazing ability to use a gambit speed. Agree. Uh, yeah. A, a push to and stagger. Whew, boy. Um, yeah. Howling hood. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or even just like, uh, all of a sudden that 
great strength is activated. You don't like, uh, like I, I know you thought I had to wait for that and you thought you were safe, but no, we have the plus one damage right now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One bummer is Envy Shroud offers nothing for this. So there's really only five masks that work with taking over. Can't, can't play nice Envy. (laughs) Yeah. Thematic. Well, Uh, Skylar, now that I, Despite your protests, uh, stole from you anyway. Oh no, you just did taking over. Never mind. Wow, <laughs> I am uh, going to double dip though. Uh, <laughs> How dare you? And talk about Scrabble in the Dirt. Um, okay. So Scrabble in the Dirt uh, is a card I was initially a little cold on. Uh, pick a gambit with the malevolent mask symbol in your power discard pile, uh, and add that card to your hand. Then discard one power card. Um, so Scrabble in the Dirt allows you to get back one of the great um, cards we've been discussing um, at the cost of one other card. Um, and I'm happy to see that it's one power card and not one gambit. Um, mm. Because again, if you have uh, if you have an upgrade that you don't really feel the need to use at this particular time, um, it can pay the cost of Scrabble in the Dirt, um, whether that's uh, an upgrade you don't care to see again or an upgrade you'd like to get into the discard pile for when you use Revealed Aspect uh, in <laughs> yeah. a moment here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think that the Gambits are so good in this deck that um, adding Scramble, Scrabble in the Dirt, uh, if you're going heavy into your um, uh, mass, Malevolent Mask uh, Gambits here, um, I think Scrabble is a fine include. Uh, I think you'll you'll find creative ways for it to, to work for you. You'll just hate to see it in that opening hand. Yeah, I think I was in a similar boat where uh, first glance I was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, but then I think back to some of the Grimwatch builds I've run that had one or even two ways to uh, go retrieve cards. Um, you know, there was a there's a uh, Death Grand Alliance. Uh, and a, a Grimwatch one that lets you do that. And I'm like, man, I pulled off some pretty amazing moments by by using those. Is that Plundering and the Grave? Plundering the Grave and then like uh, Recycled Riches. So uh, really pulled off some pretty awesome effects for me. And uh, we've just talked about how excited we are about that. Like imagine, you know, imagine triggering any of those things we just talked about recently, like uh, hitting take taking over twice in a row. Um can can really make some amazing things happen or you know i don't know there's just there's just a lot to happen with that so i like the i like the options that it provides i'm imagining like a storm of celestis uh using like equipping echo guys onto the future token swapping that one with taking over and then their activation they move over onto another future token play scrabble in the dirt use taking over again swap (laughs) an objective now there's like you, you, they have what they want now. <laughs> <laughs> Come to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Good call. Uh, Brian, uh, we're going to pass uh, remaining ploys over to you. What do you Yeah, got? so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Hooded Instinct or, uh, sorry, Heated Rush. Sorry, <laughs> Hooded Rush. Uh, so Hooded Rush reminds me of Heated Instinct. Uh Choose a friendly fighter with one or more upgrades. Push the chosen fighter one hex. If the chosen fighter has a mask upgrade, you can push the chosen fighter up to two hexes instead. So uh, 
do they have an upgrade? Push one. Do they have a mask upgrade? Push two instead. Um, like Heated Instinct, which was a push one, but if they were a Hunter Quarry, or was it just Quarry, they get to push two. Um, so kind of a oldie resurrected with a new variation on it. I like it. It's fun. I love it. What's, yeah. what's not to love? Yeah. Uh, only other thing I'll mention about this card is I really appreciate that they um, included Hooded in the title. Uh, it feels like a direct nod to how it can score Hooded Stranger uh, for you. <laughs> I guarantee that. Two, oh, yeah. Two glory. Sure. Uh, Davey, why don't you hit us with another one? Sure. Uh, I think Unexpected Arrival is a very interesting one. This is choose two friendly fighters with mask upgrades. Place each fighter in the hex that was occupied by the other fighter when you chose them. Uh, this sort of effect, th- there's there's kind of a lot of setup cost to this, right? Because you, you have to get two masks out on two fighters that matter for them to be in different spots. Uh, but we occasionally have seen this. I think... Uh, Oh, I think if you go all the way back to Isa Nine, they had uh, they have one similar to this. Um, am I right that Ephelim might have something like this? I don't yeah, know. She yeah, she has. Do. Uh, yeah. But that's a range three. Like it's the fighters have to be within three hexes oh, of each other. Yeah, so yeah. this is unlimited portal. range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is unlimited range, and I think Eyes had uh, you know a similar. Uh, I think uh, the Shadeborn yeah. have Shade the Born. ability to kind of swap spots. Uh, there's some there's some really big brain plays that you can pull off with something like this. Uh, and that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, the, the most obvious is like I've charged somebody forward. Uh, people have discounted that fighter as being like, well, okay, that fighter is charged and they have too many other fighters. That one's not going to do anything else. All of a sudden you swap that out with somebody who's like a, a combat threat and now you've got that uh, combat threat like way ahead in a in a dangerous spot. So Absolutely. Uh, this I, this feels like one of those big brain cards cards where you can you can really uh, uh, trigger some big game changing uh, moves with it. My thought was launching Lassevere into the opponent and then swapping <sighs> her for Vexmore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're no, in town. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, uh, you can use somebody. You know, this is essentially the example you just provided, where you know you've got somebody speedy to you to an objective but you know like all they have to offer you is speed um they're not going to be able to hold that and then just flip their place with somebody who absolutely is going to be able to hold that for you yeah um maybe even somebody who's already on guard yeah yeah or yeah. or maybe you know some some random goblin gets in there and then all of a sudden there is a um Snark sour tongue spinning, boy. spinning around with uh MB's shroud <laughs> yeah. and like ah, four wounds on three dodge boo earns yeah uh, a warband with scything it's like i'm gonna send this one guy in there no no reason and then yeah. uh uh for my next activation i actually swap that person now has scything <laughs> yeah that's wow. a good point snark snark loves envy's shroud yeah he does All um right. yeah ahead. i mean i well go ahead actually uh no, I, no. what were you no using? i had a thought that but it's, it's a bit of wrap-up thought so Cool. All right. I'll steal one from Skylar. I'm going to go with Unveiled Ambitions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Search your power deck for a mask upgrade. Reveal that card and add it to your hand. Then shuffle any remaining cards in your power deck. So, not able to get that mask in time. Here's another option. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like helping to, similar to Revealed Aspect, helping to focus your objective decks or power deck so it's more reliable. Um, yeah. I absolutely. think that's really valuable in a. Uh, deck that is requiring specific upgrades to come out. Uh, I would be remiss to not mention uh, that if you're familiar with Magic the Gathering, this is a tutor, and uh, Phil was elated 
that <laughs> the tutor uh, has made it into the game and uh, is here to make sure that um, your mass game plan uh, can can stay online and you can specifically like it's not just about getting any mask uh, it may be right but you right. can go get whichever mask you'd like it's not yeah. the first mask you encounter yeah yeah and that's what we've seen before is you know like go until you find an illusion pick up that illusion this is like we talked about how specialized these mask actions are well you know do you really need the echo guys to set up exactly the situation you need all right go get yep. it you know absolutely all right well i'm actually going to close out the gambits for us uh here so uh, we can talk a little bit about the remaining upgrades that this has to offer before wrap up um so with gambits um i'll just mention additionally uh there's shuddering violence possessive crouch and funneled soul stuff um broadly shuttered shuddering violence is an extremely good um accuracy tool um, mm. that benefits, um, even further from, uh, if you have a mask, um, possessive crouch is a way to give a guard token, um, you know, during the power step, but also stagger, uh, anybody adjacent to whoever's receiving that guard token, um, assuming there's a mask there. So, um, both of these offering you something with a bonus, if you have a mask and then lastly, funneled soul stuff, uh, is a card to leave at home, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it, it hard can, dislike. It can heal uh, one from each fighter with a mask upgrade, um, but at the cost of dealing one damage to every friendly fighter that does not have a mask upgrade. And it has to, uh, in order to f- work, uh, you know, in order for you to play this card, deal at least one uh, damage to a friendly fighter. Yeah, so. the heal is optional. The pain is not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um all right, so let's jump into um, what upgrades uh, this deck has left to offer outside of masks. So there's only four. Um, are there any that you two would like to highlight? I think Dark Humor is a, a solid one. Uh, so this is, you can reroll one defense dice in this fighter's defense rolls. If this fighter has a mask upgrade, you can make the following reaction. Mocking laugh reaction. Use this after an attack action that targeted this fighter. If the fighter's defense roll contained one or more critical successes, push the attacker one hex. Uh, so a reroll of a defense dice, that's pretty decent, especially in the Nemesis environment. You know, there's a few warbands that can find themselves, they can, you know, go dig for uh, plus one dice or, or some such. But getting a getting a reroll is as close to plus one dice as, as you can get. Um, that reaction's likely to only go off on, on fighters defending on multiple dice, but that can be huge. You know, if you have somebody who is sitting, you know, let's say... They're attacking you with a range two or three action and they're sitting right where they want to sit. Maybe they need to hold a particular objective. Uh, all of a sudden you put all this pressure on like, well, gosh, if I make this attack and and this fighter that has a reroll on defense gets a crit, they're going to push me into a vulnerable position of some kind, maybe bring me into attack range, maybe get me off the spot I want. Uh, I, like, I like the head games that that provides. So I think uh, as defensive upgrades go, especially in the context of this deck, I, uh, I think it's very solid. I like it a lot. And the art is gnarly. <laughs> Agree. That smile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to jump in with uh, Menacing Posture. Um, I always love uh, being able to push after an activation, and that's what we have here. We have reaction after this fighter's action that pushes one or more enemy fighters. Push this fighter one hex towards one of those fighters. Um, so 
This could be Howling Abyss action um, mm-hmm. that allows you to push with menacing posture. Uh, but most of the time, this is going to be I drove them back, uh, and therefore I'm able to then occupy that place. Um, I really like that uh, in a deck that uh, leans uh, into hold because that means you can knock somebody off an objective and then immediately occupy that spot. Um, I particularly like the wording, though, because um, it can do interesting things for um, people who have access to um, pushes that aren't drivebacks, um, like mm-hmm. Tamael, for example, you know, can run in, range three, pull you to where he really wants you, and clo- yeah. close another uh, hex of distance. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like that card. Um, and then, Brian, um, which which of the remaining two would you like to highlight? Yeah, I'll take Displacing Figurine. Uh, this has got its own unique action. It is not a mask, uh, but Displacing Figurine action. Pick an objective in an empty hex. Place this fighter on the objective you picked. Give this fighter one charge token, then break this card. So a teleport to an open objective. Um, I think fittingly they put one of the Seraphon Lizardmen on there because hmm. I think they are interested in that. Agree, <laughs> agree. Well, and they they have that that ability in one of their ploys today. Right. I think, yeah. Lords of space and time. Yeah, time and yes. space. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, we got you, Phil. <laughs> it's solid Wibbly card. wobbly, timey wimey. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, solid card. Uh, it's one that I don't know if you're running all four masks. If you feel the need for all six masks. Uh, what, whoops. Uh, <laughs> I meant, which one? Which one doesn't he include as a mask? <laughs> I meant, uh, yeah, <laughs> six masks. Four other things. Numbers are hard. Um, but uh, yeah, like. I feel like uh, we're going to see this and it's going to do work, um, but there are going to be plenty of people running the mass decks um, that kind of just leave this one out uh, for room for, you know, uh, their own upgrades that they're bringing into the mix. Yeah, it's certainly not an auto include, but if you need more teleport tools or your warband really wants to be the most agile, because part of it could be that, you might start out passive in your own home territory, but once they start invading, you might want to yeet yourself to the other side of the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think where I struggle with this one is that it is an action. And I think that's a fair fair cost for, you know, what, what it's asking of, or, you know, what it's doing for a player. But, um, the fact that you're, if you're bringing a ton of masks, right. Um, and there's, they all have their own action. It's, you know, another upgrade that's asking an action of you. Um, However, this probably sees a lot of play in championship. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. This feels like a, 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 maybe it doesn't even need to be a mad scientist build. Um, No, just your uh, key holder build. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This feels like something, something that uh, goes off in championship. And I, I totally agree. I think if you've already invested in your six masks, Man, those remaining four upgrade slots, you are really looking for some just like straight value. Like you're, you're. I've I've got enough tricks in this deck. Now I need some just, you know, uh, unadulterated good value um, out of the other ones. And this is this is maybe an early cut for me, um, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm, r- I'm right there with you. All right, well, since you either you either love it or you don't need it at all. Mm. Agree. 
Um, well, since we Doesn't run down 31 cards, we, we might as well also <laughs> run down unassailable stance. Uh, sure. This is minus one de- defense to a minimum of one. Uh, rolls of shield and dodges are successes in this fighter's defense rolls. Um, uh, this card doesn't uh, set my world on fire. This doesn't do much uh, for me uh, because a lot of the time uh, that's either bringing you down from two to one or that's keeping you at one and just kind of increasing your odds of success there. But I feel like either way, when you're at one defense dice, uh, it's not a basic success you're fishing for. Yeah, this is best on like a one dodge fighter because then you get both shield aspects. But I I would uh, caveat that this is best on a one dodge with a reroll fighter. Um, and there's there's just a couple of those around. Uh, oh, hey, Skate. Yeah, Skate. Uh, I think Mad Mob somehow. Skyler, how are those both warbands at you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this isn't lighting his world on fire. <laughs> no, I mean it's such a it's such a specific you know yeah. spot. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, if one day we get an upgrade that says minus one defense dice to a minimum of one, and successful rolls count as two successes, like basic successes. Ooh. Um, then, then I think sure. I'll be excited because now you're doing a little bit more, um, yeah. against incoming attacks than just hoping for your crit. Um, I like that a lot better, but, uh, yeah. uh, so that rounds out the, uh, cards in malevolent masks. Uh, let's do one more lap around the hosts. Um, how are we feeling about this deck? Uh, we kind of did first impressions at the top. Um, how, how do you feel about the deck now? I feel, I feel overall the cards are like they, they just get the brain working really hard. Um, initially I wasn't seeing it, but uh, the more and more we talk about it, even here, every time you revisit it, it, it you see more and more possibilities um, out of the objectives, ploys and gambits or uh, objective ploys and upgrades. I only think there's one stinker in each uh, that I'm just never going to include in the deck and the rest of them. It's like might not work for a warband's playstyle but it's an incredible toolkit of a deck agree uh, it really gets the creativity flowing for me and um something davy mentioned earlier you know uh in initial impressions was it kind of felt like void curse thralls and um that it's um got these internal synergies like this this ecosystem of masks um asking uh things of you and essentially being this self-contained puzzle box um and um, I love that, uh, here. I, I agree. Uh, like it, it, you know, first impressions, final impressions, it, it feels that way. It feels more akin to something like, um, that Void Curse Thrall's design space. Um, and I hope we continue to see puzzle box decks like this. I, I really like it. Yeah. For me, I, uh, you know, maybe two core thoughts. One, one is that, uh, the art, it just, slaps on this deck i i really love the art on this uh i it, it really pulled me into the the story the theme of this deck i thought it was incredible um so tip of the hat there to that whole design process agree uh and then the other is that i really like the tension within the build because we're used to seeing these decks that um no well let me say this this is a deck that uh, says hey the upgrades are important right like that that just if i was explaining this deck to somebody i would say it has six masks they're important to the rest of the deck and your first thought is like oh it's a voltron deck uh but this is 
explicitly not that, right? Like this is, yeah. this is, you cannot, you, you, even if you wanted to, you can't stack these masks on a single fighter. Um, and a lot of these effects are really powerful. If you can get, if you were to put them on a single strong fighter, like we, you know, we talked about the, um, if you get the frostbitten veil effect to go off and somebody's got infinite rerolls, that's great on a, fighter that you want to have attack a whole bunch of times but this deck is pushing you in a different direction you know the objectives really kind of seem to prefer you to have like quite a few fighters uh and so i i like that there's the push pull of hey this is really good if you can power somebody up but it's pretty hard to powerful power up just one single fighter and you better find a way to make like multiple fighters be contributory to your your game plan um and so I'm, uh, I think of, of decks that I've seen come out, this is the one I'm, uh, as excited as any, if, if not more so to see people experiment with this. Like, I, I feel like this one could go in ways that I don't expect. And I, I love that. Um, I love that feeling of, of, uh, the unknown, uh, with this. And, and obviously at the time, if you're listening to this, as we release, we've had a little more time with it than anybody else. And, and the fact that we still see all this unexplored possibility is really exciting thing to have in the game yeah with the upgrade voltron thing we've seen uh like the urgrub uh voltron Mm -hmm. we've also seen there's there is some arena mortis card that like the more upgrades you stack the more um silent relics or yeah silent relics but i was thinking more like uh not silent there there was one card that um like um Ripa really took advantage of. I forget what it is, but the more upgrades you stack, the more Voltron they get. And I think like Voltrons can still look at these cards and want to use some of them, uh, and they will, like Frostbitten Veil. But it at least requires that one action be spent you turning it on for that yeah. Voltron. So it's not all benefit for the Voltron fighter. So, but it really does incentivize putting it on more of a Horde War band, spreading out the utility of these masks which I think is really cool design space so that we didn't just see these used in a Voltron abuse build. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they had a, a incredibly challenging tightrope to walk to, uh, to build this deck. And I, I think I'm, I'm impressed at the, the work they did. Um, yeah. And I think the tightrope might've been what I was saying is just kind of like a bunch of limitations to conventional ways of thinking that I was coming into this deck with that initially had me not so hot on it, but now I see its niche and like what war bands that seem to be struggling right now could really use this to their advantage and other war bands that aren't necessarily so desperate for that kind of help are only mm-hmm. going to get limited uh, benefit out of this so um it feels really good i think by not putting a pot card over the stack to um you increase the difficulty of that tight rope and i still think that they they walked the rope like expertly uh with this deck i'm I'm really impressed yeah i i uh, it's there's only so much that we can cover when we um when we get a chance to even look at it early and we had some unique challenges with our uh, scheduling here where we might not have uh, gotten as many reps as we sometimes do and even that it was it was enough to like uh be excited for people to see this i feel like if we were playing enough reps 
it would still be not enough because there's so many possibilities <laughs> with that's true all the different card combinations because every time i play this deck i'm gonna be like because one of the things i loved when i was running my dread pageant a lot was i had a bunch of different card combos that every game i didn't see each of these card combos go off but i could use them in a different way mm. and each time i played with it and the card combo revealed itself and i was able to use it just like oh that was so cool because it like <laughs> creates a highlight of that match yeah um and you, you might not see that combo come up again, but every once in a while, the tools that they work with each other is just so cool. Um, yeah. uh, one final thought for me uh, is uh, very targeted uh, to the Velmorn players out there. I know there's, I know there's a lot of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, give this deck a try. Uh, I It was one of the pairings I tried out, and it um, takes pressure off of your surges. Uh, one of the problems I find when playing... Uh, Velmorn is uh, they really want you to kill. There's so many kill surges and, and stuff like that. And uh, this balances um, the other objectives that they can bring to the table and gives you a, a really interesting uh, build. Like, uh, try it out. I, I think you'll mm-hmm. have a lot of fun and I think you'll you'll find success. I think uh, we've kind of talked about like pairings throughout, but uh, I definitely think that Resurrection Death War bands are going to be the most satisfied with this or potentially even abuse it um we'll see how well, that pans out uh, right. I'm, I'm gonna just pause you are, are you saying resurrection uh death warbands or are you saying resurrection warbands in general like any warband that you know just because that's true yeah you know. resurrection like but death typically has the most um sure. they have the most efficient ones especially with like exile dead just being able to do it along with a dance and get a fighter back um and masks not necessarily requiring like you could put a mask on Markov and sit him in the back with Echo guys, and now he's able to swap objectives around like crazy. I feel like that could be one of the most abusive versions of masks. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I do think that it might not be necessarily a meta breaking problem because I think Void Curse Rolls counters this deck really hard with Void Cursing fighters. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be tight it's gonna be really cool they're gonna i think they're nemesis uh yeah they are nemeses for sure yeah it's gonna be great and abusive is a strong word i think i think it's gonna be a lot of fun builds uh yeah but i think like um that word might just get tossed out a lot and i'm just kind of jumping to conclusions but um abusive because fighters might or uh, opponents might see the mask player doing all these crazy combos and just think this is busted in half like (laughs) but it's like the card combos and tools like it's not always doing the same combos like i was talking about but yeah it gets me excited and it like i said i don't think we could have done enough play testing because the possibilities are endless and combinations and timing just it's so much variability and fun agree all right davy take us home that's been our episode on malevolent masks uh i i hope that you are excited about it as we are uh look forward to playing against it um i think it's going to be a great addition to the underworld's uh ecosystem uh if you want to talk to us about it you can talk to us our our 
best recommendation is at the Discord. We always have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, you can also get us at WTHCast on the site formerly known as Twitter. We're on Blue Sky if you're there. Uh, what the hexcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Uh, if you want to talk to us face-to-face, go find us at LVO or Adepticon or come to Madison for one of our quarterly events. Uh, you can check out all our content on themortalrealms.com, including the blog entry, which has all our hot takes on this deck card by card. Uh, of course, we thank the Mortal Realms for ha- having us on their network and uh, allowing us to be part of that uh, whole set of podcasts. Coming up, uh, you have already heard the Stab Boys coverage. We will be going to LVO, so we'll have some coverage of that. We have uh, a couple moving pieces um, as far as what you're going to hear in between. Uh, as far as LVO coverage goes, we have a lot going on there. Obviously, we're going to take part in a Nemesis Grand Clash. We're going to take part in a Rivals event. We're, we're going to have the Pink Slip event with Underworlds Underground. Uh, and we have a lot of ideas about how we might be able to try to cover that, like maybe with some live coverage, if there's if there's a way, if there's something you yeah. especially want to hear with that. Um, yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, I'd be interested to get feedback. Or if our listeners are would rather we break down the pink slip game afterwards with Underworlds Underground, or if you guys would be interested in some uncut live uh, coverage, uh, whether it be live or just recorded live, um, yeah. are are you willing to endure the chaos of Sleeks Bull and I uh, duking it out and some? Uh, funny dodgeball yeah. style commentary is yeah. my thought. Brian putting a lot of pressure on us to be able to record that in the moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. saying like I'll, I'll pack my microphone, set it up. Is that, is that something that people are interested in or do they want more uh, I mean, control? Gosh, than- I, I think we got to try. I think we got to try. And if it's a disaster, then, you know, we'll release it on <laughs> Patreon. Yeah. I would, I would still listen to it. For giving us money is this terrible recording. I don't know. Uh, I I'm super excited for LVO. It's going to be, it's going to be some great, uh, underworlds. And I have not been able to play in person for a while because of, uh, work and, um, uh, scheduling stuff. So, uh, it feels all the more tantalizing as a result. So, uh, but yeah, let us know it, what what you're excited to hear about as far as LVO goes. What we're going to try not to do, we did a whole bunch of uh, Worlds coverage. We're going to try not to uh, focus too much on any one event. So rather than do like a, a build up to it, I think we're going to try and just do coverage after the, after the effect, um, hit the highlights of that, uh, and just to try to keep it universal. Um, but we're always open to your suggestions um, or your requests. Uh, but you have to make those known to us. So, gentlemen, you know what time it is. Is it texty flavor time? <laughs> that is exactly. <laughs> That's what we the call time it. Right? It is. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you nailed it. Got it in one. Uh, this is uh, this is a quote that is attributed to one of the masks, which I gotta say is one of my favorite things about this desk. I, I, I mentioned how much I like the art. Uh, the flavor text is really great on this deck as well. Uh, this is a quote. Uh, it's attributed to the Echo Guys. I'll be right back. Here, hold this. Hmm. Is it revealed aspect? It is. Got it yeah. in one. Excellent. Yeah. I called uh, it out earlier. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to see how, how uh, dedicated you were to that, but... Um, all right. Uh, we do have a recommended listening for you. This is from Future, an artist that I've not spent as much time with as I would like to, but he has uh, he's a track called Mask Off, which I, I do kind of like. So hmm. uh, 
we uh we will catch you on the next one um for what the heck i've been davy and i've been skyler i've been brian To help offset that, hold on. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to burp. <laughs> so we can cut that out. Uh, sorry. Or not. Or not. <laughs> um, so with ho- hordes, uh, what I was saying, uh, shoot. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the end credits. Here I am. Um, there's going to be the cool pink slip event with uh, Underworlds Underground. Underground Underworlds. Why am I Underworlds Underground? Uh, um, Underworlds Underground. Yeah. <laughs>